Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, White Wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like White Wine, True Crime, and In Bed by Nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are Housewives of True Crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. Up in here. Up in here. Up in here. We have a very special show today. We do. We're taking a little bit of a different turn on things because we're not going to tell you a case. We're going to tell you. We're going to actually not tell you. Somebody else is going to tell you about her life. And her name is Tanya Bales, like Hail Bales. Hail bales? Hay bales. Tanya is a (laughs) lovely woman, total disco biscuit, badass, who was married to John Meehan, a.k.a. Dirty John, for 10 years. And her story is really fascinating. Um, I thought I loved talking to her. I thought it was really interesting hearing her story, how he was able to kind of keep this... I don't think she liked the word con. She didn't like the word con man. But I don't know how, I don't know what that. other word to describe. He facade, maybe this facade of who he was up really for 10 years. And then in a minute, it just snapped. snapped. Dude, could you imagine, by the way, being married for 10 years to somebody like a fake So you know how on Dirty John, like I say this in the thing, like the one thing I remember is he was so attentive to Deborah, right? Right. His girlfriend at the time. 
Like he would wake up in the morning and do shit for her and bring her coffee and and just be like, oh, my God, like the, you know, like your dream man. But he wasn't a dream man, right? He was like a psychotic, crazy person. But years of that with Tanya, right? So she was like, it was just like a normal marriage, which to me, it's like, dude, how does he wake up every day and just do the like routine? Well, it sounds like in her podcast, we're going to kind of learn about that because she explores it with a psychologist who's really going to explain his his scumbag psyche. Yeah. Scary that there's people out there like that, by the way. You know, Tab, there are more than you know. Hopefully we're not married to any of them. Uh, I don't think we're married. I don't think we're married to any. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, they're not trying to impress us with smoothies (laughs) or anything. Actually, Uh, no. Actually, I was just um, having like a major headache because my house is like sometimes my husband's really good and he makes my kids lunch or dinner. Rarely dinner, but sometimes lunch. And then there's 5,000 dishes yeah, everywhere for macaroni and cheese. I'm like, that's a one pot thing. How do we have Oh my gosh. My husband is always like, I was going to make another sandwich. Oh, and that's why all the stuff is still out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That too. It's like, you know, you (laughs) could still put it away and take it out again. Yeah. It's too hard. The mind of the male and female... We work differently. Different. It definitely is different for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it's pretty incredible. 10 years. I think you do know somebody after 10 years, you would think, but I guess you sometimes don't. Well, we've both been married for about 13 years. 14 girlfriend. Didn't we, didn't we just get our 14 year anniversary? 13. No. Can you do math? We got married in 2008. And our anniversary oh was in. God. It's 2021. Okay so, then, okay. so my cat's only 13 years old then. Okay. I was trying. My, I got my cat, you guys, the year that I got married. And my little cat, you guys all know, is not so healthy. And now they think it's she going has in cancer. for exploratory surgery, cha-ching. I'm thinking the cat's pretty old. Maybe time to go to kitty heaven. Now the cat's only a year younger than I thought she was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I brought it up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Gretchen, Gretchen's, you're not nice. I'm ruthless. You are ruthless. She's (laughs) like, wait, you're paying how much to put your cat to sleep? I mean, dude, that's what John Meehan did. He did the, what is it called? He was an anesthetist. Anesthetist. Yeah. That's a, a hard doctor. word. Like you said, I know. Tanya had us practice. She did have us practice before we started. <laughs> Which was awesome. And, and then I was like, it's not a comptroller. <laughs> <laughs> she's true. She's very professional lady. Yes, she is. So that was awesome. Tell us what you think, guys, after this. Do you like having the mixing it up, having the guests? We could we could do more of that. We could do more of that. Um, you know, it's like a summer summer kind of bonus. Yeah. Because actually, Gretchen and I are somewhere, probably not at our houses. Yeah. At the moment, we are 
on a lake. I'm at Lake Tahoe. I'm not that mysterious. I don't know what your gig is. No, That's because I don't really know. I don't really know where. Oh, well, oh. I don't really know where we are at the moment because we recorded this so early. But uh, OK, so you're going to be at Lake Tahoe and mm-hmm. I'm going to be at either San Antonio Cinnamon Shores or Possum Kingdom. I don't know. One of those because those One are the those. three places I'm going next. OK, so anyways, here is Tanya. Tanya. Clink, clink. Enjoy. Clink, clink. Tanya Bales. Tanya Bales. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So for those of you who are not familiar or need a reminder of who John Meehan Tanya's first husband, a.k.a. Dirty John. He was a man with a history of conniving women by acting the part of their ideal partner while manipulating them out of money, everything. When they caught on to him, he became their worst nightmare in the form of threatening and stalking them. In the case of Deborah Newall, a successful interior designer with grown children in Newport Beach, Her two-year relationship with John ended with John attacking her daughter, Tara, with a knife, which resulted in Tara taking control of the knife during the struggle and killing him, which subsequently ended his reign of terror over the trail of victims he had made throughout his life. The LA Times produced a podcast revolving around primarily Deborah's story, which is how John Meehan came onto our radar. But our guest played a huge role in John's life. She was his first wife, and they were married for 10 years and had children together. So again, welcome, Tanya. Welcome, Tanya. And Tanya, 10 years. We want to hear all about it. (laughs) Yeah, from the beginning. So before we get started, Tanya has a new podcast. She does. It's called The First Wife, John Meehan's Reign of Terror. And tell us, Tanya, what kind of things are you going to explore? Well, we're going to explore a lot. How much time do you have on this show? (laughs) (laughs) You got time. (laughs) You got time. Well, basically, my podcast is going to take a really deep dive into many relationships that John had over his life with women and with some men. John wasn't just able to con women, which may be you might get from, you know, watch, watching the Dirty John or listening to Dirty John. He right. also, you know, fooled many men in his in his life. So we're going to we're going to hear from people we've never heard from before. And wow. actually interesting people I had never talked to in the last 25 years who I contacted. Um so I learned a lot in this podcast too, right along with you. That's okay. amazing. That that sounds great. Tell us about you married John in 1988 after a year of dating. You met John in 88. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Did you, throughout your marriage to him, did he have like a, a hot temper or was there no. anything? No. He, he kept the con kind of going all the time, just even keeled. Yes. Yes. I mean. He sounds dreamier than my husband. <laughs> well, I mean. I thought we had a good marriage. I'm not going to deny there weren't some red flags along the way. There were some, and you're going to hear about those. You're going to hear about the night okay. we met, and the con um, starts there on the night we met. So he he conned you right away. Yes. 
I'm kind of imagining that maybe he did similar things. Like when you hear Deborah's story, you know, he used the word soulmates. I mean, all of those things are like the things that make us, our hearts oh, just yeah. pitter patter, right? Yes. He, he had a, he had his lines. Uh, another one yeah. was he would tell women, I can't wait till, you know, to kiss the first tear of our baby together. And Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would do it. Wouldn't that do it? Yeah. 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 In hindsight, there are many red flags, but he was that guy who could talk you out of believing what you were feeling. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, you had children with them. You have two girls, correct? Yes, I have two girls. They're now 21 and 26. Yeah, beautiful girls. And once you got divorced from John, did they continue a relationship with him? So um, they did. They had visits with him. Uh, Of course, John had a lot on his plate then because he was starting to spiral and lose his career as a nurse anesthetist. So Mm -hmm. he was having to, you know, always choose himself and choose his problems over his children. And then, of course, he goes to to prison. And when he comes out, he has supervised visitation. And so you're going to hear all about that. You're going to hear about the supervised visits. And you're actually going to hear never uh, before heard conversations that I recorded between him and my children when they were five and nine. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so how old were your children when you did split? Abby was not even a year and Emily was uh, turning five. Okay. And what a lot of people think is that I learned all this information and I left him. No, he left me because he was leading a double life with a woman in Michigan. And oh, so it wasn't until I had just had a baby. I thought our marriage was fine. I thought he was who he said he was. And, but him asking me for a divorce, let all of those things that had kind of built up, all of those little red flags started coming up to the top. And I'm like, I'm going to call his mom who I'd never met. Okay. There's a red flag. Yeah. So this woman in Michigan, are we going to hear more about her on the podcast? And did you find out about that after he left you, you found out that that was it? Or did you find out about her years later? Well, when he left me, I started snooping by calling his mom, by searching his office. And um, I ended up actually talking to his boss, one of the anesthesiologists in Michigan, and he basically spilled it all on John. And so I knew during our separation that there was another woman. Wow. And you're not going to hear a lot about her. She, uh, for multiple reasons, wants to maintain her anonymity. And I respect that. I can respect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to be at the wedding. My family is is not going to be around. Did that, what did you think of that? So I thought it was sad, but I also, you know, John explained all that away. My dad's an alcoholic. My parents had a terrible divorce. They don't get along. They might ruin our wedding. And I thought, well, that's really respectful you know, cause this is a very important religious event in my life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, right. and I just thought, wow, he came from, you know, such bad beginning. And here he is at private Catholic law school in my hometown. And I just thought it showed his, you know, strength. And mm-hmm. I just thought all those were positive things. Of course, I'm, you know, just a young 23 year old, pretty naive girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. And remember it's 1980. We got married in 90, but, you know, dating 89 and 90, no one had a cell right. phone. No, I can't. 
Google anybody. Sure. Right. I didn't have all the things you might have today. What was that conversation like with her? I wonder what it was like for her to have a child that was so conniving. I mean, that seems like such a, a nightmare on its own. Yeah. I mean, when I called her, I'm telling you, my knees were shaking. But I thought, what have I got to lose? Something's not right. right. And I need to know what it is. And I just basically called her and said, you know, I'm married to your son, John, and I've got some questions. And she paused. I thought, oh, gosh, is she going to hang up on me? Is she going to talk? And she mm-hmm. she told me everything without hesitation. I think she felt sorry for me. And she quite honestly said, I knew you would call me one day. And you weren't like, why didn't you call me, lady? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we know why she didn't call me, because if you turn on John, you will get his wrath. Yeah, that makes sense. She was afraid of him. So have you continued a relationship with his mother or his sisters? I know you also had conversations with them as well. Yeah, so uh, his parents have both passed. Oh. Yeah. And you're going to learn some deets about his dad passing in the, the wow. suspicions. This sounds there. juicy. Yeah. I can't wait to hear mm-hmm. all it of it. <laughs> his sisters, I do, I, I do feel very comfortable with one of his sisters, but you know, that family has a lot of history, a lot of pain, and we all deal with that differently. And it's right. I, I didn't have a relationship with them when I was married. And so sure. It's just, I think it's just it's too hard. It's too much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, it's enough to live through and to imagine the crazy twists and turns that this has taken and him becoming so notorious. I can't imagine what a burden that is for on his family to be related to him, to be yeah. any part of it. Yeah. To be associated with it at all. It's so painful. Yes. You know, and my daughters now are adult women and they're hearing yeah. about you know, actually new stuff as adult women rather than as little girls. And you're going to hear from them what it's like being a product of Dirty John from them. Well, hopefully it makes them choose and be very stronger. (laughs) They're stronger. They have like, you know, I feel like we all made some real bad mistakes as our in our early 20s and they know better in their early 20s. You know, they have. Yeah, they don't have to make those mistakes, I'm sure. And they clearly have a badass mom. I mean, I just picking up the phone and making those phone calls would have been I, I don't know if I could have I could have done it. Mm-hmm. And you also reported him to the authorities. Yes. In my snooping, I found narcotics in my house, the narcotics and drugs that we use in anesthesia because I'd put him through nurse anesthesia school. So he was my colleague and my husband. And did you ever work together? You worked so you worked together at the same hospital at the same time, which created quite the problem because it did. The narcotics could have come from me. I could have set him up. And that's exactly what he said. Oh, he said that. Yes. He tried to throw you under the bus for for it. Me, the woman who put him through school and <laughs> of yeah. course he did. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's willing to take out anyone who gets in his path. Yeah. And he seems like the nicest guy until you figure him out. And then he will use anything he knows about you to. So was that was the pivotal point in your relationship with him where he flipped and you started to see this angry side of him was after you had reported him for 
the drugs? Um, it actually occurred a little, it, it occurred, the flip occurred because I contacted his family. Okay. That was kind of forbidden our marriage because I want to say forbidden, but it was forbidden. He, you know, yeah. he painted a picture that they're going to try and infiltrate our life. You know, once we have children, my mom will probably show up at the front door. Don't let her in. These aren't good people. These are very selfish people. Um, so making that phone call mm. is what is what did it for him. And then it was that when he found that out, I had to get a protection order. Oh my gosh. He's like, now you've and had so, it. Mm-hmm. So, so what was that like? So you went from thinking, you know. Yeah. I can't imagine going from thinking I was with this stable man. Mm-hmm. to having a protective order against him. I mean, I have been in abusive relationships, but I saw it happen over a period of time. I saw the controlling behavior escalate and escalate. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was just one day they were nice and the next day, you know, there was a buildup. Yes, yes. Well, it was exactly like what you just said. It was a snap. It, it was a look in his eye that I had never seen. It was language that he was calling me that was never part of our marriage. Our marriage was very kind of even keeled. As you can imagine, John doesn't want to blow his good deal he's got with his wife who's supporting him and having his children and getting him through school. So I think he intentionally kept it, you know, kind of kept me happy and kept it even. Yeah. So you putting him through school. So were you, were you working? Was he not working while he was doing school? Yeah. Anesthesia is like a residency. So you can't work when you're in anesthesia training. It's, you know, very intense two to three year training to give anesthesia. So I was working as a nurse anesthetist because I already was one and he was full-time student and we had moved to Tennessee. Um, That's where he went to school. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what do you think his long shot was? You think he was planning on leaving you at some point? Like, do you think he saw his life? In a big like picture? Like he had the forethought to think at some point yeah. he was going to leave you. I don't think this type of person thinks long-term. I okay. think they're on a very short-term basis. They use you until they can't use you anymore. And if that's today, if that's a year from now, then it is what it is. And they just pivot and, and move on to the next. So the I next. don't think you can think of him as having a long-term plan. And then after you, he moved on. He moved away also. And was that, you know a big weight off your shoulders once he left Tennessee? So actually the timeline is so hard. Trust me. I sometimes lose the timeline, but he went to jail in Michigan. He came back to Ohio and then his sister came in, helped him, took him to California. And that's how he ended out uh, in California, Newport beach. And yes, when he moved, that was huge, but he still had supervised visitation and still. Yes. And how do you do that? You have to fly your kids to see him or no, he, he flies back? He left the state of Ohio, so he had to fly back. Okay. And he basically only did that three times. And his sister supervised two weekends. And my new husband, because I was married by then, mm-hmm. had to supervise the visitation. <laughs> wow. Good. good man. And that's nuts, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 You have a yeah. good husband. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I did like knowing that he was in California because then I wasn't looking over my shoulder every second. Right. right. Just when he I was can't in town. Imagine. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? 
Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. I'm talking about Rakuten. Have you checked it out? Because I recommend you do. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores that I know I shop online at like Zappos, Sephora, and Best Buy. We are all already online shopping at our favorite stores, so why not be saving while doing it? It's a no-brainer. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. How it works is the stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Your cash back really adds up. And what was it like for you when the Dirty John podcast came out. First of all, I I didn't know what a podcast was when I was being interviewed by Chris Gofford. He kept using that word. I'm like, uh, I was kind of too embarrassed to say, what in the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I thought he was just doing an article. Yeah. But I I was participating because I wanted the whole story to be told truthfully. And I knew that I held so much of the information, you know? Right. And so honestly, Honestly, I sat on my couch and I we I would look over at my husband and we would just be like laughing. Like, can you believe that this is on, you know, well, you said the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. the podcast was for me basically amazing. I thought they did a really good job. And then when it was, it was turned yeah. into a TV show, my husband and I right. looked at each other like, can you actually believe this is happening? Oh my gosh. Total disco biscuit played you. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, I'm, hu- I'm human. There's a lot about this story that's very sad and, you know, very hurtful and very menacing. But when someone has spent their a great part of their life trying to destroy your life, and then they're exposed to the whole world on TV. There's something hysterical about that. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. And so I love that. I love your attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah I hope. I imagine it's very satisfying. Yeah, that, that's a great. I'm word. glad to hear it had that effect on you, and that it wasn't. I I don't know. I mean, it, that it didn't leave you feeling extra vulnerable or just not want it out there for people to hear. I think it has been 
exposing him and it gaining so much popularity has helped so many people. There are so many con men out there. Yeah. And I probably will be scolded by, you know, Laura Richards does. That's that's something else that's different about this podcast is every episode has an analysis by Laura Richards, who is a criminal behavioral analyst and a international crime expert. And she breaks it all down for you, you know, starting from the night we met and how John targeted me. So she- That's awesome doesn't like to call John a con man. She's, he's more than a con man. And you're going to learn all about, you know, her analysis of him in my podcast. Great. Good. We're yeah. going to make our daughters listen. Yes. There's, there's so much to learn. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm contacted, you know, on the weekly and it's increasing now of so many women who are, you know, thank me for telling my story. Thank me for be, uh, being open and honest. Cause I think there's a lot of shame associated with being involved with someone who has, you know, controlled you or, you know, women don't, they don't want to share that because they just feel like they'll be judged. That's right. Sometimes they are. Deborah was judged a lot. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, when I was, when I was listening and even watching, you know, and you see the, the guy, he brings her the smoothies every day and in the morning. And I'm like, Oh my God, if my husband would bring me a smoothie every day in the morning, I might stay I with him forever too. I would love it if my too. husband would just put his cup in the dishwasher. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, but when I say was... love is blind and love feels really good when someone's giving you all their attention, that feels really good. So yeah. see how women get sucked in. Mm-hmm. So what kind of support group did you have around you then and now? Did you have a lot of family and were they all as as shocked as you, I imagine? Yes. So, yes, I had my family. I have a sister and my parents who were all fooled and, and very much hurt by him as well. No one wants to see their daughter or sister go through this, right? And I also had, you know, the support of, you know, my work people you know, where it was working at a big hospital and I had the love and support of, of all those people. And so you kind of mentioned they were kind of on to him that there was some shady behavior yeah, going so on. Throughout my time with John, there were people who were, you know, their radars were ding, 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 ding. But mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't have like hard evidence. And so what do you do with that? Just that thought or that radar, or that gut feeling about right. your friend's marriage. I mean, you don't just go in there and break up their marriage. You better have some real evidence, right? Right. So a lot of people didn't right. say anything, but weren't surprised when it all blew up. Right. Right. Interesting. How did you find out that he had been killed? Ooh, yeah. A day I'll never forget, right? Basically, um, his sister emailed me. And so I was at work. So all I saw was like the notification and, and the, like the subject matter said, John was killed. And I immediately started like shaking. And, and, you know, I don't know if I shake where you can see it, but inside my body was like, you know, convulsing, but I didn't know what does this killing mean, you know? And so I basically that day found out what had happened and I just, I mean, you can imagine my jaw was on the desk because I'm like taking notes. What? This girl and she stabbed him in the eye and they're taking him off life support because he actually was stabbed on a Saturday. No one called me till Wednesday. 
And I think part of that was because really the next of kin next to his wife who didn't want to pull the plug was Emily. Yeah. And so we had a discussion that, you know, certainly Emily shouldn't be the one to be burdened with that decision. So his sister did it, who is a nurse. Oh, well, that was good. Okay. Well, for one, email is an interesting choice of communication considering the subject i would think maybe <laughs> I didn't a want to call, call you <laughs> maybe a phone call uh, I don't would know. be warranted i don't know just had to get that yeah. off my chest but um wow and so i mean what kind of effect did that did that have on you it, you and your daughters was there any sense of relief or i mean they still look the him as a father figure? I mean, did they, how did they yeah, deal with so that? So my children are going to tell you exactly that in the podcast. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't think I should reveal exactly their reactions. Cause that is, you're going to hear from them for the first time. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I imagine either way it's devastating. Yes. Um, yeah. So your, my initial reaction yeah. honestly was my children. I wasn't even mm-hmm. really thinking about you know, this is over for John or this is over for me. My immediate thoughts went to my children and how am I going to tell them this? And, you know, in the podcast, when we hear from them, there are things that my children really didn't share for me about, you know, when he was in California and all these long years where they didn't see him, that they missed him. And then they kind of fantasized about a relationship with him. And that's why all of this coming out has been good because now they understand why their father wasn't in their life. And it wasn't because they didn't deserve of love from their father. They understand who he was now. And then it wasn't about them because children yeah. usually do think it has something to do with oh, them. That is, yeah, that is so healing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to tell us, Tanya? You think that we need to know? Well, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but there are going to be some shocking details about confessions that John makes uh, concerning suspicions around the deaths of his brother and his father. And let's let me hear when his father died and when his brother died, he was still alive, I'm assuming. Yes, John, uh, his dad died in 97 when John was in anesthesia school and his brother died in it was during our separation okay you know so you john had been late, john had been mailing narcotics to his brother oh yeah so um, that's not gonna go well i don't know why that kind of surprises <laughs> me though it kind of surprises me that he would i don't know it's not a nice thing to do but it sort of is that he was like sending his brother drugs like it surprises me that he had a connection i just i don't imagine him having any real um, oh, connections with yeah, con- genuine connections with people. Well, I think my interpretation of that is John wanted to be a big shot to his family. He'd been telling his family oh, he was a physician for a long time, and so for him to have something that his brother wanted or needed, I think made him, you know, feel like big man on campus. Yeah, right. Okay. And were they close? Was was John ever close with his family? I mean, he had to have gone through high school with his siblings and his mom and dad or his mom. Yeah. So all I know is that the children thought they had a pretty normal life, although behind the scenes, they did not. 
Mm-hmm. And that a lot of John's behavior started when the mom decided to leave the family, which actually her leaving had a lot to do with the father's behavior. But he, you know, basically held his mom to account for that. And um, that may have led to why he had such a hate for women. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of cases where we see that a lot. The men do, they have like this thing with their mom and it creates them hating women in the future and, you know, being abusive or um, even killing them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, right? That like element of psychology, like when girls have daddy issues, we go out and sleep with too many people, right? (laughs) (laughs) We don't kill them. Yes. Right. Right. Mostly. Mostly, mostly. We Maybe don't just me and you, Gretchen. <laughs> Spoken from two people who have daddy issues, so we can say that. But doesn't mean you haven't thought about it. You just don't do it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's true. Maybe true. Maybe true. <laughs> so I want to hear good stuff. What is your so? What is your life like now? So you have the new husband. Tell us, he's amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. He and or not or like he's normal <laughs> like ours. You could tell us that too. Oh, well, he's normal, but he's also amazing. I mean, I think part of the reason I'm safe and alive talking to you today is because there was a very strong protector in my life. And great. John didn't usually have to go through a man to get to the women that usually sent him on his way. Mm-hmm. And so my husband, uh, we got married in 03. So we've been married 17 years going on 18. Right. Aww. And he's also yeah. a nurse anesthetist. Cause I stopped meeting guys in the bar, which is where I met John, <laughs> but I'll preface this by saying I had never been picked up in my life ever before or after. But anyways, so I met, I met Augie at work. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's been basically the only real father. My children have, you know, have known. And he's been a fabulous example of how a man should treat a woman. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Love that. And are you still living in Ohio? No, I moved uh, to outside of Atlanta in 07 okay. to be my one sister lives here. Great. And are you still a practicing nurse anesthetist? I'm where I work today. These are my Work grubs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've been a uh, CRNA for 30 years. And does oh. anybody recognize you when you go in? They're like, they're ready to go under. And then they're like, I, I know, know you. you. No, nobody, nobody really recognized me. There's occasionally been some funny moments at work where it's just come up. A patient has brought it up, you know, because we are an anesthesia. We were an anesthesia couple, right? And, Mm -hmm. and they usually are just beside themselves to know that I work there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I cannot imagine. Um, And how did you come up with this? How did the idea of you doing a podcast and and taking the deep dive, how did, how did that come up? Well, um, even before John died, everyone who I even told any part of the story was told, you know, told the any part of the story to said, Tanya, you should write a book. I've been hearing that for over 20 years. And so I actually went down that path with a ghostwriter and it's just more difficult than you think it's going to be. And it really just didn't get very far, but I had met Laura Richards uh, at the uh, premiere of dirty John and she introduced me to 
uh, Aliza Rosen, who's with AYR Media, or she is mm -hmm. AYR Media. And so yep. she was wanting to do some true crime stories. And she remembered that I was interested in a book. So she called me up. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And so I assume you've met, you know, like Deborah and Tara and. Oh, yeah. Yes. What was that? We've met them. What was that like? <laughs> oh, you have? Yeah, we did. Were they on your show? Crime Con. They were not crime con. on oh, crime con, which yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure you will be at this next year. You think? I think so. <laughs> They're going to want you there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's they in, are. It's in Las Vegas, uh, in a like a year from now. So May oh. 2022. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with my computer here. It's wanting to do some things. Um, yeah. So I met them. You know. Uh, you know. There was a lot of uh, PR for you know the Dirty John Bravo and Dateline. We were on Dateline, and so we spent a little time with them in New York, and uh, we went to the premiere together. And they're delightful people. They're very gracious to us. Uh, they love our family, and you know, Tara's our hero. She's not just my hero. She is the hero of all the women in John's future that you know she saved from him. And yeah. she's a hero for so many people that just would back down in a certain situation, whether it is, you know, you're some psycho mom's boyfriend that wants to kill you. But even just women in general that are a little weak um, and never think that they could fight back from somebody. And so that's yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, the message is be ruthless. Yeah. Yeah. Fight for your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. And watch that yeah. zombie show that she watched. Yeah, eyeball. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Of course, she, you know, she's bearing the brunt of that. It's not just that, yay, he's dead. She killed him and it's over. There's a, there's a lifelong of, of healing for her. I um, think so. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. But really, she truly is a hero. Well, we really enjoy talking to you. And we want all of our listeners, I'm sure they will all love, this is an eight-part series, and it's called The First Wife, John Meham's Reign of Terror. Everybody can find it that listens to us because you guys know how to listen to a podcast. Brought to you by AYR Media and Audible Inc. So. Yeah, let's all listen and we'll talk about it in our Facebook group. We will. Okay. That'll be a fun and one. To talk that'll about. be fun. We love yeah. listening to stuff. Yeah. So virtually thank together. <laughs> virtually. Once you start, you listeners. won't be able to stop, I promise. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I usually like to binge eight part series in one day. It's like my eight hour work day. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> driving to Lake Tahoe with my children. Oh, just and I right do not want to listen to SpongeBob. So <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. So thank you so much, Tanya. We really appreciate it. Thank you, girls, so much. Okay, so that's a WAP. That's a WAP. That was Tanya. You guys all heard her. Now you're going to go listen to the podcast for the next eight hours. So um, you're going to have to because she's a big tease. She didn't give <laughs> she us. <is. laughs> she, didn't, <laughs> she didn't spill the tea. She didn't spill all she the gave, tea. She we gave were us that she spilled the drops. <laughs> <laughs> which is she's like you have to listen you have to listen fair enough well, we're all shit. gonna we're all gonna listen tanya you know what we should have listened beforehand and then we would have known the answers no we're gonna listen now 
still I know we are super interesting. Because I need, I mean, I love, I need to know. I yeah. am really interested to hear about the effect that it had on her daughters and what her daughter's point of view is. Yeah. Yeah. Me, moi, aussi. Yeah. My bra's falling off. You could see it on YouTube. <laughs> you, you like my shirt? Let me show you my shirt. Oh, shoot. Tab. Oh, my God. I Sorry. I'm really fucking the chef around here. It's a cute shirt, though, right? It's so cute. It's too hot. It's like one of those shirts that's way too hot to wear in the summer. But I thought for the podcast, since she didn't know who was who, I would, you know. Identify yourself. For the day. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, you Disco Biscuit and our Disco Biscuits oh, that really. listen to us oh, and our God. Disco Dudes. You know, can I say one thing, actually? Yes, please. Somebody, I just got on the scale today and saw a very scary number. Um, I have a lot of dieting plans after I get back from Lake Tahoe. But somebody just wrote on our um, Housewives of True Crime on Keto, on crack, I mean keto, you know, dieting page. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were like pressuring themselves to lose weight. They had 39 days before Cabo. Right. And this is what I wanted to say, but I didn't say it because I didn't think it would translate well. Listen, this has been like, you know how they're like hot girl summer? This has been my first like fat girl summer. This summer I decided you know what? I'm just going to buy a black one piece and I'm not going to give a fuck. I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm not going to get all caught up on what I look like. And you know what? I had a great summer. So what I'm saying, girlfriend, is yes, I encourage you, eat healthy, you know, do your best. But if you don't, you know, because 40 days isn't like that long, that far away. Right. Go out and get get yourself a black one piece and don't give a fuck. (laughs) Because I bet you're still rocking it. Yeah, I agree. You know what? Confidence is hot. It is hot. Yeah. Trust me. There was a lot of people in Vegas with a lot of confidence. (laughs) And I, unfortunately, am not one of those people. I wish I was, man. But I like your attitude. You don't want to be wearing naked nakedness. Sometimes I would like to think I could. Okay. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) So follow us on Housewives of True Crime group to talk all about this interview. Let us know what you think about the podcast after you listen to uh, the eight-part series. Also, if you want more of us, Housewives of True Crime on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Housewives of True Crime. We also are on Instagram and we are on YouTube at HWTC. So subscribe there. Thanks, guys. Clink, clink. Clink, clink.